0: I'll be completely honest. I was that person who couldn't imagine giving anything but a test on paper. You know, literally, I have two file cabinets filled with worksheets. So, yes, it's forcing me to be a lot more creative with my work, and I think it's important to keep open-minded that that change is not necessarily a bad thing.
1: This is Change the Narrative, the podcast about innovation in education and the workplace. I'm your host and tour guide, Michael Hernandez. This pandemic has forced students to learn at home and educators have had to make a fast pivot to remote teaching. This season, I'm talking with teachers and students across the United States to find the silver linings of our situation, to find out what matters most in school, and to use those lessons as we reimagine the future of education. Mrs. Nielsen grew up in Alta Loma, California. She attended college at UC Santa Barbara, where she earned her bachelor's degree in physiology and a master's degree in molecular, cellular, and developmental biology. She is thrilled to be teaching AP and honors chemistry at MiraCosta High School. Mrs. Nielsen loves to travel around the globe. Her hobbies include scuba diving, yoga, dancing, vegan cooking, and riding her bike along the beach. She lives with her husband and two children in the beautiful city of Manhattan Beach. And I was just talking to a friend uh, who teaches at Beverly Hills High School. what a stereotypical like Southern californian the vegan beach lifestyle <laughs> and yoga
0: Bye, <laughs> I know
1: i didn 't realize you were are you vegan i didn 't realize that
0: uh, I, I consider myself a cheating vegan so i 'm a cheegan <laughs> i 've been a vegetarian for years, but i 'm trying to cross over but i 'm the only one in my family who tries to eat vegan my kids are both vegetarian but my husband is an omnivore so we all have you know different eating habits which makes meal times a little challenging but yeah
1: we we can exactly my daughter's vegan and so when she's here we're eating vegan which is probably better for my health but anyway um and (laughs) and uh on a Personal notes has been great. So we worked together at the same high school and really had some exciting collaboration opportunities in the past couple of years with um, the explainer video project for your AP students. And we yeah. just were talking just before we started this recording about um, the Instagram project you're doing with them now too. That's pretty exciting. Right.
0: Yes, it is. You You've really pushed me out of my com- comfort zone to try new things that involve technology and they've all been excellent results so i appreciate that very much
1: yeah it's fun to work
0: with somebody across the discipline you know in a different discipline
1: yeah right we don't get out of our silos very often huh Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah so Teresa, i know that your husband works in the healthcare industry and so you have all those concerns about him working crazy hours and self-quarantining and stuff like that you've got two little kids and imagine it's like a really tough like situation professionally and personally and how it all sort of merges together You can't really separate the two Um, but, um, you know, and maybe going to work would be sort of a respite maybe sometimes, but I'm curious, what do you secretly like about working from home?
0: Well, I, I would say that my days start a little more calmly. I would, uh, I used to, you know, wake up and the alarm would go off, and we're all rushing to get ready. And usually, it involved me yelling at the kids to get their kids their shoes on and get in the car and get their seatbelts on and finish their breakfast and all of the above. But now, I actually get to wake up in the morning and cuddle with my children, and we don't wake up to the sound of an alarm because we wake up naturally between seven and seven thirty, and then. I can make them a nice warm meal. And you know, it's, uh, it's nice to not have to be at work and, and have a day that's completely driven by bells, right? I mean, I used to know what time it was based on the bells ringing, and it's not like that anymore, which takes some adjustment, but it's nice to have a, a little bit more flexibility with my time. Uh, yeah. also, you know, I spend a lot more time with my children, more quality time, where I'll be in a class from nine to 10 teaching and then it's time for us to get outside. So we go on a scavenger hunt looking for signs of spring or we went and did a texture scavenger hunt the other day where we were looking for bumpy and smooth and prickly. And, you know, so I think I get to spend a lot more quality time with my children and participate in their learning more which is awesome
1: (laughs) that's wonderful that's so fantastic um yeah quality time is is kind of what we've been missing on that that pavlovian bell response system Mm -hmm. that we've been trained to follow um so what have you learned about yourself while being on quarantine
0: i've learned that i'm a very social person and that i miss interacting with other people i'm going a little stir kick crazy to be honest with you um I don't leave my house. My husband is the one that does all the grocery shopping. We don't get any takeout. I, do, I cook and clean constantly, it feels like. And um, I miss being able to get out and do something as simple as walk along the beach or uh, go to a restaurant and meet my friends. And so, yeah, I've learned that I'm, I'm a very social being. And I also need some sense of of schedule though. I I feel like I'm um, spinning in some ways because my whole world has been turned upside down and I'm not working at normal times. Where where I would normally be working, I now have to focus a lot of my energy on my children. Uh, And so I find that I'm working late into the night to midnight, 1am, staring at a screen. And then I have a hard time going to sleep because I've been staring at a screen for a couple of hours, so it's hard to turn my brain off. And so for those reasons, I realized that I, I do thrive in a you know, scheduled environment in many ways. And I, I imagine that if this were to continue, I would have to come up with something that would that would work well for all of us.
1: So I, and I saw your social media posts about staying up really super late to do lesson plans and stuff. Do you think that's because you're lacking a schedule or because you're having to retool your lessons to make them online that you never had to do before?
0: Uh, both, absolutely. I, um, I, I do have to come up with meaningful lessons that I didn't have to before. It used to be easy to hand the students a worksheet or a lab when they walk into the room. And to be honest with you, some days teaching an advanced lab science remotely feels completely meaningless. And so I have to search online for YouTube videos that, Uh, show a phenomenon that I'm trying to explain. But I also find that I I don't want to waste the students' time either and make them watch some 30-minute long video by a teacher that really didn't do an effective job. So (laughs) I'm watching the videos, and then that takes a really long time because I don't don't have, uh, you know, a, a lot of websites that are already bookmarked with these things that I need to be effective.
1: Right. And I think a lot so, of us are kind of like under that, that gun, like crunching, like how i got to turn, pivot this right now. I don't have a couple of years to develop that curriculum. It's got to be a couple of days or a couple of weeks to do that. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, and it's, me too. I mean, my classes are experiential learning where the students are supposed to go out into the world and document things and create things in collaboration. So it's really a tough pivot, I think, for a lot of us. Um, so you have all these challenges. You're staying up late, you've got the kids. How have you kept your sanity?
0: <laughs> yoga. <laughs> yoga <laughs> and cooking really are my happy times. Um and I, I just force myself to go do yoga for 30 minutes a day. And um and then I trying new recipes um, you know, allows me to be creative in the kitchen and and that's pretty much how I've kept my sanity. Some Zoom sessions with friends, you know, I think Zoom might be part of the Urban Dictionary, hashtag Zooming, right? (laughs) Something (laughs) that's going to define this generation in some ways. Um, But yeah, it's not quite the same as as seeing people in person, but those are the few ways I've found to maintain my sanity.
1: That sounds great to me. Um, so, what do you like best about remote work, either personally or professionally?
0: I like that I get to have a little more autonomy in what I'm doing. I don't feel so pressured to, and maybe this isn't the right thing to say, but I don't feel so pressured to work with my colleagues that I may not jive with in terms of our teaching styles, right? Just because we teach the same subject doesn't necessarily mean that we have the same exact styles, but I feel like we're forced to uh, work together when we're all teaching in the same building. So I feel like it's given me a little bit more autonomy to do something like I, for example, I'm, I'm working with you on how to get my class on Instagram or I worked with our Spanish teacher and you know, she helped me give me some ideas. And so I think I'm reaching out to people I feel comfortable with that I see commonalities in in the way that we deliver uh, information to our students um, not just because of subject area so that's one good thing Uh, the other the other thing I mentioned too was just I think it's a little more relaxed as a parent I, I one of my least favorite things to do as a parent is to make lunches every day and I'm still making lunch but I don't have to pack it up you know, and so just that simple act of not having to pack lunches every night, for some reason, keeps me calmer. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Agreed. I oh my god have scramble. What am I going to eat? <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> That's great.
1: So that's interesting. It, it sounds antisocial, your attitude of like, I don't have to worry with my colleagues, but also at the same time, it actually is more social maybe because, you know, like we're talking about, we can work outside of our silo. And connect with people wherever they are in the world rather than just literally like you said just the people in my department or in my building um that sounds like a really great thing and and maybe the right word um that we're looking for is like not autonomy per se but like creativity
0: absolutely uh, i think it's pushed me outside of the box uh a little bit in that i'm i'm more willing to try new things because i let's face it i'll be completely honest i was that Person who couldn't imagine giving anything but a test on paper, or um, only lab books on paper, you know. And and I I'm I've been teaching for almost two decades now, but I'm I don't consider myself old, but I guess old school in a lot of ways. And I think that this is transforming education um, in terms of what what we can do with the digital world
1: that's really fantastic um and, and that's really hard because we all like have our rhythms and our patterns and you know we work really hard to get our curriculum going and how we do it and we have it down to a science no point intended but um and you just have a lot of inertia and now we're sort of forced to rethink um that's really great and it's and that's why i've enjoyed working with you too is you have this sort of open-mindedness like let's have fun um i wonder if it's you know whether it's self-imposed or rules that we have in our department or what the state expects of us from standards, but it's like, there are no rules anymore. Um, and when those rules are lifted, those constraints are lifted, it seems like now you're being a little bit more creative and innovative as a, as an educator.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think, I think you said it perfectly. Uh, I, you're forced to be right. I, because I can't, I, 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 don't have my file cabinet with me anymore, you know, literally, I have two file cabinets filled with worksheets that people have laughed at me for years, and, but it's easy for me to just walk back there and open it up and find something for the students to do, and sure, I have a lot of those files digitally, but it's, it's not quite the same. Uh, so yes, it's forcing me to be a lot more creative with my work. And I think had, had we had ample time for training and to really think through how we, how to approach this, I might feel a lot more comfortable with it, but I I'm getting, I, I, it's starting to feel like a new norm, to be honest with you. And I am getting more comfortable with it already after six weeks, but, um, it's, it certainly wasn't easy and it, it is not easy, I should say.
1: It sounds like you're finding some advantages, some silver linings in remote teaching. What are some of the advantages, do you think? I mean, you have this file cabinet filled with worksheets. You just pull them out, you know, or you're on the schedule. You know what day it is. You just like, here's the test, here's the lab. Um, but what are some of the advantages to teaching remotely, do you think, for you or for your students?
0: I think that I might be reaching m- different modalities of learning styles. Uh, because I'm, I'm being forced to be more creative in the way that I deliver lessons. So it's not just me delivering content. Now I'm looking for explainer videos online or I'm trying to find um, uh, podcasts that are relevant. You know, For example, last week was Earth Day. I really, I've never done this before, but I, I really felt uh, inspired to try to teach the students about about our planet and to have some appreciation for the beautiful air outside. Um, I don't know if you've noticed that the, the air is not nearly as polluted. It feels so fresh and clean because there aren't as many cars on the road. And so I found this great podcast about smog in LA and how uh, back in the fifties, the smog problem was horrible and, and the science that went into um, proving to the public that it was our cars, and because LA was a city that was built around the automobile industry, and um, people were really hesitant to give up their cars when they her- first learned that, and they were also in denial for quite a while that it was their cars that were responsible for smog. And so it was really interesting to, for myself, to learn about the history of smog in LA, but also. Uh, the politics and, and the burden that science faced in order to convince the politicians and the public. So this is just one example of something I would have never even explored had I still been teaching in my classroom. But because I was desperate, so to speak, for some sort of lesson that I could deliver to my students without my presence And uh, so I I found this and it and I got a hugely positive response from the students where I, you know, I just encouraged them, Hey, go outside and sit under a nice tree and put (laughs) your ear pods in and listen to this podcast, you know, get out of uh, being in front of a screen for a little while and just uh, learn about some history and how it pertains to science. So that's just one example of, of, how it's pushed me out of my comfort zone, but also in a very good way, where um, I think a lot of students were able to relate with that sort of content delivery, um, more so than lecturing in front of a whiteboard.
1: Yeah, it's funny, because you use the word filibustering the kids. Which I think is hilarious. Uh, And that's what we do. And, you know, like, let's minimize screen time. Okay, let's minimize the screen time of the whiteboard and the teacher lecturing, right? And instead get out into the world and experience it and ask some questions. And I love that story about the smog. It sounds like what we're facing right now of education, right?
0: That's exactly right. And, Michael, you shared with me. Uh, one science teacher's perspective that you had seen about how the importance of of encouraging them to think. And so one question that I asked the students as a result of that podcast or associated with that podcast was, how does that remind you of what we're going through right now? And they were easily able to draw parallels between how people felt like they couldn't give up their cars. And, and then they realized, that they were forced to is very similar to what we're going through in many ways.
1: I love that real world connections, so important, right? Um, Yeah. Even if it's not a standardized test, it's probably more important, huh? Um, So what do you think, you talked about a lot of these advantages, modalities and flexibility and family time and all that, but what are some of the lessons you think we've learned as educators through all of this that you wanna keep and implement once the pandemic is over?
0: I believe that, for me, I realize the power of, of the internet and connecting people that are not necessarily in the same room as you. Um, I, I, I think that I will not be so dependent on paper anymore. Uh, and I know that that's a very expensive resource um, for, my student, for my children too. I mean, to be honest with you, the, the preschool, my gosh, the number of papers that would come that just had scribbles on them every day. I just felt like it was extremely wasteful. So I feel like this can minimize waste and more properly utilize resources such as paper. Um, And I think, like I said, too, it's encouraging me to be um, more collaborative with people outside of my department. And so I think that that is a definite possibility for the future too, where um, I may not have seen a parallel between science and history so much, but here I just brought up uh, the history of smog in LA. And so it's a local issue. It's, it's politics, it's science, it's history all rolled into one. So I'm starting to see that there's a po- more of a possibility for interdisciplinary um, content delivery, whereas I may have been more closed minded to it in the, in the past. That's,
1: that's beautiful. I think it's absolutely true. I mean, I don't know why we have these silos other than it makes it easier to test.
0: <laughs> right. Um, right.
1: so you seem pretty open-minded about it. Um, as somebody who has two decades of experience with worksheets and traditional methods of, of teaching and stuff, and you're very effective, a great teacher. Um, But not everybody's as comfortable with this change as as maybe you are. Um, So I'm wondering if you have some advice for our our colleagues who are trying to adapt to this new normal of teaching and to help them get through it.
0: That's really difficult (laughs) because as you know, a a lot of people are very stuck in their ways. Um, And, and so I I guess um, embrace it, you know, maybe a century ago, people couldn't understand how paper could be uh, useful because they were so used to their chalkboards and they're you know they writing on the, with chalk that paper seemed silly to them, and so I think it's pretty common for people to oppose change. Um, everybody gets very set in their ways, and and it's difficult to embrace change. But we are being forced to do it now, and and I think there's. N- no better way than to, you, you can't resist it, right? To resist it does no good for anybody. Um, you have to embrace it. What being human is all about is adapting to change. I mean, and we're being forced to do that. And I, I think, you know, I even read an article that said teachers that are teaching online should do a crappy job because it's, it will change our education as we know it. So we should not pour ourselves into it we should instead refuse to do it well because because otherwise they're going to expect too much of us and um and i couldn't disagree more with that article that i read and i was actually appalled at the person who posted it on their facebook page and told them that i felt that way i mean i i feel as a professional it's my job to to educate my students in with whatever tools that I have available to me. And unfortunately right now, those tools do not include the traditional methods that I'm used to. And so um, we're, we're fortunate to have a whole lot of resources at our fingertips. And so um, I would, I would just encourage uh, other educators to please not be closed minded and uh, to reach out to people who Have been doing this sort of these using these sort of methods for longer, like yourself, Michael. You've been using this this kind of teaching modalities that involve online learning for a really long time, and you've been very successful in doing so. And so we have a lot to learn from our colleagues and from one another. And I think it's important to keep open-minded that that change is not necessarily a bad thing always.
1: That's beautiful. So well said. <laughs> um, so you've talked about a lot of the silver linings in all of us. Um, if you had to narrow it down to one, what would it be?
0: I think my time is more valuable and more quality with my students and with my family now. I think um, that the, the time that I'm Zoom meeting with my students, only two hours a week, is more quality time where they're not trying to filibuster me during the class session. <laughs> they're there to listen and I can deliver the content and it's, it's more efficient. Um, same with my, my kids. I'm not running them around on some scheduled life. I do not miss my schedule, over-scheduled life at all. I think that we're taking more time to just stop and smell the roses, literally, and appreciate nature and life as we had it before, but also how it is now, so I think that we're all a little bit more appreciative of of what we had and what we still have, and of one another. I think initially, a lot of students probably thought of this school closure as an early summer vacation, and they mm-hmm. were elated. Uh, but now I think they're realizing how much they loved time with their teachers and their friends at school and how important or how much we rely on human interactions and so I think a lot of them still feel uh, really appreciative for those interactions even via a zoom meeting a screen right they're they're appreciative to to have that meaningful interaction with their teachers still so
1: yeah that's so great not to be like hippie granola california yoga person but it's like (laughs) about gratefulness and gratitude and slowing down and mindfulness Absolutely, um, that, you know, I I feel like we've struggled. We've rammed our head against the wall. Like a big thing at our school is social emotional wellness and the stress and anxiety and depression that our students are facing from all of these, you know, demands by everyone, their parents, the teachers, the school systems, college admissions, and it's so unhealthy. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, So speaking of all these silver linings and these concerns that you have and these great inspirational experiences that you've had as an educator, um, if you could reach out to policymakers, um, what would you want them to change or adopt as you look to next school year and the future of, of education?
0: I, in my heart of hearts, I believe this is going to transform education as we know it. Um, I could see us being very effective in some sort of a hybrid teaching school system. Um, I think fiscally it makes a lot of sense. This school district is saving a ton of money on utilities and you know all kinds of janitorial staff and you name it. Um, but I think it's also important to maintain human interaction to some extent because I, I don't know about you, but I am exhausted after staring at a screen all day. And I miss seeing my students and interacting with them. But um, I would like to see some sort of hybrid education because I think that a lot of students benefit from this sort of slower learning style where they're not forced to wake up at, and be at school at 7 a.m. They can adapt um, they're learning to what works for them. You know, a lot of students do need to sleep in and, and that, then they perform better after, you know, a good night's sleep. Um, I think a lot of them were overscheduled. So I, you know, if I were to say something to policymakers, I would say, um, that I, I would encourage, um, maybe a hybrid, a, a little bit of the old and a little bit of the new could actually prove to be quite beneficial for everybody involved.
1: I love that idea. It's pretty great. In fact, some of the students I interviewed uh, for this podcast also mentioned that they're like, I think we should go to school one day a week.
0: And then Mm -hmm. the rest of the
1: time we can learn remotely. I think That's really interesting.
0: And Um, I've actually been really impressed with some of the projects that have come out because I think uh, initially science and the arts were especially concerned about not having that Interaction face to face and for science, it's almost impossible to teach advanced chemistry. I've I've given them some kitchen chemistry experiments, but I saw your channel on
1: YouTube. It's great (laughs)
0: uh, Nothing compared to what I can do with all the chemicals in my classroom, but it's something Um, You know, and I can imagine Band and orchestra has some a really tough challenge not being able to be in the same room together to create music, but i don 't know if you 've seen some of the the projects that have come out that the the band our band director has put together he 's done a phenomenal job uh, and it 's really inspirational to see what we can do using our technology when we're forced to, you know, um, it's, it's kind of fun to, to try something different. And so I, for me, that's enjoyable to see what, what sort of creative projects are coming out of all of this.
1: Um, if you had to leave one piece of advice for teachers or parents or policymakers about remote learning, what would it be?
0: Uh, I think patience, being patient and knowing that we're all doing our best, um, most of us, I think, are doing our best. And, and um, we're, we're all trying to adapt to this change. And it came abruptly. Um, and I, I just think a, a little bit of patience and kindness goes a long way. Um, and just appreciation for what we're all doing and what we're all going through. through. I think... Um, it's important to realize that we all have our own struggles Um, both the students and the teachers and parents you know we have no idea what the home looks like on the other side of that screen and I think it's really important to um, have a little flexibility and a sense of human kindness and understanding for what we're this collective stress that we're all facing as a world right now and um, you're right, I mean, it, it, it's not just locally, this is binding us as you know, globally, and you can reach out to, to teachers in China and teachers in Korea and you know, Brazil, we're all going through it. And I, I, can't, I can't think of another situation where we've all been in this together, and in a, in a weird convoluted way, it's almost beautiful that we're all experiencing the pain of this together because it might just unite us. That's beautiful, I
1: love that. (laughs) Well, Teresa Nielsen, thank you so much for this conversation. It's been so great talking with you about remote learning.
0: Nice chatting with you too. Thank you for having me, Michael.
1: If you like the podcast, rate us and write us a review. It helps people find us. And don't forget to sign up for our monthly email newsletter You can find the details on our website, changethenarrative.net.